Today's a big day. I'm, I'm going to share a story with you uh, towards the end of my message that I think is going to grab a hold of your heart and show you the value of life groups and the value of doing life with other people. Uh, how many of you know God never intended us for us to be alone, right? He didn't create us for isolation and loneliness. God didn't do that. When we get lonely, we start to die. And so God didn't do that. So today, the title of my message is, We Are Family. Cheryl and I, my wife, I don't know where she's at. She's running around doing something. But she's, her and I have been together. We dated for four years, and we've been married for about 24 years. So I, I'm going to estimate, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit. We've been together for about 30 years. That's a long time. Thank you. Two people excited we made it this far. You know how I many people didn't even give us hope? I mean, like, golly. And so almost 30 years we have been together, and, man, we've been through some stuff. But my wife is my best friend. Like, she is my best friend. Absolute, hands-down best friend. Nobody can aggravate me like my wife can. Come on, somebody. Nobody can get under my skin like my wife can, right? Nobody can say the things that, that pull my trigger like my wife can, right? But nobody can make me laugh like my wife can. Nobody can fill my tank like my wife can. And there's nobody else I'd rather do life with than my wife. Amen? And I, I believe in, in good, healthy marriages. And I believe that it's a blessing to be in one. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this to you today. They don't come naturally. <laughs> Caught a witness on that one. Marriage should have been spelled W-O-R-K, right? Work. Because they're work, aren't they? If you're like, no, they're not working, you might need some counseling. I'm just saying. But Cheryl and I have been together for nearly 30 years. I'll never forget the first day I met Cheryl. She's from the village of Fenton. How many of you know where Fenton is? It's a village. It ain't big enough to be a town. It's just south of Kinder. And if you blink, oh, side note, don't speed through Fenton. Their only income is your speeding problems, okay? And so... So uh, I, we met at college. We met at a football game. I saw her and fell in love with her at the first sight. Just boom, like that. I'm serious. I don't even believe in that stuff, but it happened to me. Like I saw her and I was like, that's my wife. She didn't feel the same way. <laughs> with a little brainwashing, I convinced her. But I'll never forget, I went home with her one time for the first time to meet her parents. And I got to meet her mom and her mom was incredible. And these are just some simple Cajun people. We're in a in a mobile in an old mobile home in Fenton, Louisiana, and all I, all I kept hearing was about her brother, my brother this, my brother that, my brother this. I'm thinking, man, this her brother's like this dude's like he must be the mayor of Fenton or something. And so we're sitting in the house, and I could I could hear a truck rumbling down the road. You know, he had those glass packs, those dual exhausts, the, the ones that annoy you when you're trying to sleep and the person in your neighborhood needs to get another truck. Uh, yeah. And so, so I heard these, this truck, and she goes, that's Brandon. And I went, oh, boy, get to meet Brandon, you know, because it's, it's potentially future brother-in-law meeting potentially future brother-in-law. And I don't know if you ladies understand this, but there's this pecking order thing. Come on, guys. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
So, so he pulls up, he's coming down the street, and I mean, he's just dogging this old truck. It's an old Ford truck. It's held together with JB welding tie wire. I kid you not. I mean, too many bumps, this thing's going to lose parts, okay? So he pulls around the front. He comes down, and he don't turn in the driveway. I stand up, and I look out the window. He don't turn in the driveway. He comes through the front yard and stops in the ditch, stops his two back wheels in the ditch, and he starts throwing a rooster tail. And I'm like, what did I get myself into? And he came into the house, and I love that dude. And I love my wife's family. Once I tasted my, mother, my future mother-in-law's cooking, it was a sealed deal. Because that's hereditary, right? It is in my house. And so I had no clue, though, that when I met Cheryl, what all would come after that? See, I was so in love with Cheryl, I didn't even think about what would come from that. I didn't think about the relationships I would gain by joining her family. So eventually we get married, and, and she has this aunt, and we call her Aunt Netta, and she's a praying woman. She's, she was the first woman in that family to leave the Catholic church and go to a Christian church and, and get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and all that. And she was a praying woman, and she'd been praying for God to send the right person and she prayed for me and Cheryl. And at the time, we were living in Franklin, and Annetta was in Lake Charles, and she was praying that God would move us down there. I didn't know any of this. For two years, she prayed until eventually she introduced me to her brother-in-law. Annetta married Pastor Bubba's brother. So her and Pastor Bubba were brother-in-law, sister-in-law. And she introduced me to Pastor Bubba and Tracy the first time. We had supper at their house. Then one another time, we invited them to our house in Franklin, and we started to build a relationship. Little did we know that that relationship would be a life-changing relationship. Because not long after we met Pastor Bubba, God told me to go find Bubba, ask him what he needs, and help him. And then two weeks later, we packed up our bags, and we moved from Franklin to Jennings, and just like that, put the house up for sale, rolled up in the church the first day with all of our stuff in the car and the dog in the car. We didn't think it through. And from that point on, we started to understand relationships. Pastor Bubba and Tracy became a spiritual father and a mother to Cheryl and I. Joining that church and becoming a part of that spiritual family, we met Pastor Josh and Lindsay who became brothers and sisters to us. And then we met Denny and Sabrina, who would eventually become our business partners for nine years and would turn around and afford us the opportunity by buying the company from us to go into ministry full-time. And then going into ministry full-time, we met Doug and Jennifer Glasscock, who are now some of our best friends. And I'm grateful for all these different relationships, but can I just be honest, when me and Cheryl were dating, I had no clue what I was going to get with this first relationship. But what I ended up getting was a spiritual family that walked me into my destiny. So Cheryl and I and our family is living out the destiny that God has for us only because of the people that he connected us to. Are you tracking with me? Those relationships have been tested, though. Time and time and time again. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But God brought these relationships in my life, and I really didn't even know I needed them. 
But now looking back, I go, thank you, God, for every one of these relationships that you brought into my life. So I want you to hear this today. We say this all the time, but I want you to hear it with your ears wide open. Church is not a place that you go to. It's a family that you belong to. We never set out to be an organization. We never set out to be another church in town. We set out to be a spiritual family. Because we believe that's what church is. So what happens when you connect to spiritual family? I want to answer that question with three thoughts this morning. The first one is, when you connect to spiritual family, you connect to God's intentional plan. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God has a very intentional plan for your life. It is going to require other people to get you there. <laughs> it's the core message of the Bible. God is a relational God. He's been a relational God from the beginning. Think about this. The Trinity itself is this beautiful relationship that is in perfect harmony and balance. It's God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's in perfect balance and has been. God's a relational God. When God was creating the universe and everything that we live in and exist in, he created man. And then at one point he looked at man and he made this statement in Genesis chapter 2. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. I want you to catch this this morning. For six days straight, God would create something, step back, look it over, and say, it is good. Right? Day two. Create something, step back, it is good. Day three, that's good. Day four, this is good. Five and six, this is good. This is the first time God ever says, it is not good. And what did he say that to? It is not good for you to be alone. It's not good. I want you to understand something about Adam. When he said this about Adam, Adam was perfect. At this point, Adam had no sin. Sin didn't even exist. Think about this. He's perfect. Does he need somebody else? You wouldn't think so. He's perfect and there's no sin. Like, why do I need somebody else? Because I'm, I'm all good. You ever make that statement? I don't need people in my life. I'm all good. I got my kitty cat and my puppy dog. I'm all good. Adam was perfect without sin, and God said it was not good for him to be alone. If family was vital in a perfect world before sin, how much more vital is it now that we live in a fallen world? So I want you to hear me today. It is not good for you to be alone. It's not good. It's not good for you to be alone. Here's what's funny. We live in a world today where we're surrounded by more people than we've ever been surrounded by before. Yet we're the loneliest and most isolated than we've ever been before. Think about that. And it's not just because of COVID. This was happening before COVID. 
COVID gets to blame for a lot of things, but there were problems before COVID. COVID was just the exposer of the problems. Hmm. Dr. Douglas Nemechek said this. He said, loneliness has the same impact on your mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day, making it even more dangerous than obesity. That's loneliness, y'all. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine in South Africa, and they, were, they got the English version of COVID before, or the English strand of COVID before America knew that they did. And he told me, he said, he was telling me about everything that's going on, and they've been in lockdown, like a hard lockdown for a long time. And he told me, he said, he said the, the mortality rate on this new strand is 20%. And I was like, cool. He said, but this is what's crazy. He said, I'm doing more funerals that are non-COVID related than I'm doing COVID related funerals. And he said, when I talk to the family, I'm realizing people are dying of symptoms related to loneliness and isolation. God never designed us to be alone. He never designed us to be isolated. If that was the case, Adam would have been in the garden by himself. When God wired us and he put us together, he put us together with this longing and this need to be in relationship with other people. So God told Adam that it was not good for him to be alone. He caused him to go to sleep, pulled a rib out of him. Come on, somebody. Anybody got a spare rib? <laughs> pulled a rib out of him and created a woman, and he gets to name her, whoa, man. Come on, see. That's what I thought when I saw Cheryl. Whoa, man. And God said to be fruitful and multiply. God's plan was to, was to populate the earth with humans. It's his plan. So he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. And the intention was to have babies and keep producing crops and keep this whole garden thing going. But I want you to populate the earth, right? Because once again, God's a relational God, Right? So God tells Adam and Eve that, and they, they go after it. They start doing that. And he gave them the ability to multiply. He gives us the ability to multiply. But he's, he's, he's telling us today to continue to multiply and be fruitful. But watch how Jesus says it. Jesus told his disciples to be fruitful and multiply. But he wasn't meaning have more babies, though that's a good thing. He was meaning go and make disciples. And it means this, intentionally find people that you can teach them everything that I've taught you. Do life together, enjoy one another, celebrate. There's going to be some hard times, wrestle through them, but that's discipleship. And so he's asking us today, he's challenging us, in fact, he's commanding us today to go and be in relationships so Jesus told them to be fruitful and multiply. Watch how it happens. Jesus is the example, right, of how to disciple. Who made the first disciples? Jesus did. He made 12 of them. So Jesus makes 12 disciples. How did he do that? He did that in the context of relationship. Peter threw his nets down, basically quit his job, to follow Jesus, to be in a relationship with Jesus. And for three and a half years, Peter walked with Jesus and was in a, a, an incredible relationship with Jesus. Discipleship always happens in the context of relationships. 
which means this, that your TV evangelist and your YouTube preachers are great for learning, but listen to me, they're not going to pastor you and they're not going to disciple you. You want to know why? Because you don't have a relationship with them. You can only do so much until you're going to require relationship to go further. Does that make sense? So Ephesians chapter 2, Paul said this. He said, you are members of God's family. (laughs) Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. So Paul's calling us God's family. Right? We're God's family. Together we are his house. And Jesus is the cornerstone. It's kind of like a box of Legos. How many of you have had young kids and, and they, they, they leave Legos everywhere? How many of you stepped on a Lego barefooted? How many of you did that without cussing? I didn't think anybody was going to raise their hand. They're, they're much better when they're put together. Come on, somebody. <laughs> or they're in the box tucked away in a closet somewhere. It's in the back of the closet so the kids don't want to play with them no more. I hid Legos from my kids. But it's like Legos. It's a bunch of individual pieces that in the hands of a master builder can build something incredible. That is God's church. Spiritual family. Church is the perfect picture of God's family. Are you seeing it? So Paul said in chapter 3, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. It was his purpose to use the church to reach the world. It's his plan. It's God's plan to use the church to reach the world. To use spiritual family to reach the world. So when you get connected to spiritual family, you connect to God's intentional plan. That's why we don't just attend church. We become the church. Amen? My second thought is this. When you come into spiritual family, you connect to vital relationships. And you need to pay attention for this one because this one's super important. You need some vital relationships in your life. I'm not talking about casual or convenient. I'm talking about vital Intentional, difficult. Some of y'all just bailed out. <laughs> You're like, I ain't signing up for no more difficult. You see, when you sign up and you get connected into God's spiritual family, you get in this family, but even in the context of that family, you get an opportunity to connect with people that become vital relationships. You're not going to get many of them. You'll only get a handful because you can't manage more than that. But they're the kind of relationships that walk out your life with you. They're the kind that are there through the dark days and the bright days. The kind of relationships that can sometimes be difficult but know how to reconcile. And I want to tell you today, you're not going to reach your destiny without these relationships. Because too many marriages are in trouble. And too many people are disconnected. Psalm 68 says this, simply put, God places the lonely in families. Isn't that a good verse? God places the lonely in family. Watch this. God does the 
placing, we do the connecting. So he puts you in a spiritual family, but some of you can ride that out and think, okay, I'm in, I'm in a spiritual family. I belong to a church, but you're disconnected. You're isolated. You have nobody in your life. He placed you. You didn't connect. Thank you for all those amens. <laughs> so watch this. It's not only Jesus and me. It's Jesus and we. This is what God knows. God knows that me needs a we, right? I need we. I'm not good if it's just me. I'm going to take this a little bit further. I'm going to get up into your family a little bit. Even your kids and students need vital relationships. Oh, I'm telling you more than ever before today, you better pay attention to who your kids are hanging out with. You need to be intentional about who your kids are hanging out with and who they're not hanging out with. Mm -hmm. Oh, we all had a little Tommy in the neighborhood. Come on, somebody. There was kids, in, and when we lived in a neighborhood, there was kids that would come around. I'd pray them away. I, this was my prayer. Lord, save them or move them. So the teenage years are challenging, aren't they? Parents complain all the time about their kids and their students. Struggle's real. It's hard. I usually ask the question, are they in OSC kids? Are they in our youth group? Well, no. Okay. Might be the first step. They might need some better relationships. Parents, can I encourage you with something? Get your kids into some life-giving relationships. Pay attention to your children. As much as you need vital relationships, they need vital relationships. Amen? My kids were in kids' church. Most of them were born again in OSC kids. All my kids have been in youth group. It's not an option, but I don't have to make them go anymore because I led by example. When the church is open, we're here. Come on. We let them. We never forced them. We let them. Big difference. They're in youth group. They've been through youth group. My son is connected with our youth pastor. Tim has become another voice in Ethan's life. Because if you've ever raised a 16 to 20-year-old boy, that pecking order thing I was talking about gets a little rough sometimes. And we don't always see eye to eye. As parents, sometimes we don't listen right. And as kids, sometimes they don't, they don't talk right or listen right either, right? And so sometimes you need other voices in your kid's life. And I'm grateful for Tim, who's been a voice in Ethan's life. And it's been my encouragement to him that you need other voices in your life. Vital relationships. <clears throat> but I've heard parents say, I don't want to force my kids to go to church. Phew. You just soon kicked me in the shin. I'm like, you don't want to force your kids to go to church? Maybe this is the wrong crowd to tell this because evidently you, you bring your kids to church. I don't know, but I don't want for Who's the parent? Who's, who's the adult or supposed to be? Who's supposed to listen to who? Who's supposed to be training who? 
Who's supposed to be leading who? Right? Listen, when I was coming up, I didn't want to go to church. I was raised by two women, my mom and my grandma. My daddy bailed out on me. I didn't even have an excuse for my daddy. I like, like, they made me go to church. I was in church three times on Sunday. Three times on Sunday! What you going to do three times on Sunday? I was in youth group. I went to camp. I, I, <laughs> I had to play the piano. I just all kind of, I, I, I was forced to do things I didn't want to do. But looking back now, I'm very grateful that my mama didn't back up. My grandmother's wisest words to my mama was, when my mama went through a nasty divorce, was, you raised that boy in the church. I'm grateful that I got told to do things I didn't want to do. Watch this. I didn't die. I didn't die. Didn't die. Hebrews chapter 10, watch how important this is. Listen to what what the writer of Hebrews says. He said, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. (laughs) In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other toward or onward as we anticipate the day dawning. In other words, the crazier the world gets, the more we need to get together. Don't get hooked, don't get depressed, don't get discouraged by what's going on in the world and fall away from the church. He's saying you need to be together more than ever before. Are you seeing this? But what's happening today? People are falling away from the church. So what's stopping us from getting into vital relationships? I think there's two things. The first one is I think it's priority. We don't make it a priority. I think somehow we we just assume it's going to naturally happen, like, poof, one day I'm going to have a best friend. (laughs) Poof, one day I'm going to be discipled. I'll wake up discipled. We're unintentional. I'll never forget Virginia was in uh, junior high or high school and she came home one day crying her eyes out. And she said, I don't have any friends. I'm like, it broke my heart. That's my baby. She should have all kinds of friends. And so I listened to her and then I brought her to a verse that says, if you're friendly, you will have friends. And she became friendly and she got some friends. It's amazing what happens when we get intentional. Right? So loneliness is not an excuse. Sometimes we say, I don't have time. That's an excuse. The the reality is is you didn't make time. Mm. So, So when you say, I don't have time, you're blame shifting it to time. When in reality, you didn't make time and you need to own it and say, I didn't make time for that. Right? So stop passing the buck and take ownership over to say, you know what? I didn't make time for that. My bad. I'll change it in the future. You see it? Because we prioritize what we value, don't we? 
Here's the deal. Sometimes we just show up to church when it's convenient. We rush in last minute, and we're the first ones out. And we don't connect with anybody. And we think that by some chance we're going to get some credits in heaven for showing up at church. Newsflash, you don't get rewarded for showing up to church. You get rewarded for being the church. Big difference. And the only way to be the church is to connect with the church. Amen? So it's not running in, checking a box, saying, God, I did what I was supposed to do, and then going about your life. It's getting in, getting connected, and getting involved. Come on. The second reason I think we don't connect and we don't intentionally go after vital relationships is because of pain. Come on, let's be real honest this morning. Relationships are messy. Right? How many of you would agree relationships are messy? Some of you have been so hurt you don't want no more relationships. Mm-hmm. You ever been hurt by a friend? Family member? You ever been church hurt? Church hurt's a bad one. You can't go through a divorce or a friendship split or a church hurt and not have your heart affected. So here at OSC, we realize relationships are messy. We're fully prepared for that. No, we don't tolerate drama. Welcome to the drama-free church. You should have been here in the early days when we had to run some people out that love drama because I don't love drama. If you love drama, go to somebody else's church. Amen? This is the drama-free church. We work on problems over here. We settle differences over here. We don't let things sit and stew and become infected. We deal with it now. Amen? Because we do what the Bible says. If you got something against your brother before the sun goes down, you carry yourself to that person and you settle that issue, then you come back and bring an offering to God. Because we believe that God says, you don't come to me unless you write with them. Boy, that put some pressure on us though, huh? Because we don't, we don't like to deal with problems, do we? Because why? Because they take time, because they hurt, because they wear you out. They're hard work. Listen to me, vital relationships have to be fought for. You need to be aware of that. You need to be mature enough to understand that, that you're going to have to fight for some things. That list of people I gave you at the beginning that came when I came into a relationship with, G, with Cheryl, Pastor Bubba and Tracy have hurt us. We've hurt them. Pastor Josh and Lindsay have hurt us. We've hurt them. Denny and Sabrina hurt us. We've hurt them. Doug and Jennifer hurt us. We hurt them. What did we do? How are we still friends? Like real friends. How are we still real friends? We worked on it. We didn't settle for anything less. Come on. You got to know what I'm saying this morning. You got to hear me. You're going to have to do this in your marriage. <laughs> y'all struggling today. I'm preaching fine. It's y'all. I'm just saying. Yeah, either that or some heavy conviction going on. Something's happening. But watch this. 
Sometimes we settle before we reconcile. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not mad, so we must be good. And we stop right there. The goal is not to get to where you're not mad anymore. The goal is to reconcile. Come on. It's kind of like a broken finger. You ever have a broken finger? Anybody ever have a broken finger? I've never had one, but I've, I know friends who do. They, they, one of my buddies has a broken finger, and he was too stubborn to go to the doctor. Hello, man. <laughs> too stubborn to go to the doctor for the doctor to reset it, so he lived with the pain for a couple of weeks, and then finally the pain went away. But the problem is, is he doesn't have full use of his finger now. It's, it's about like this. The problem is, is he didn't go and reset it to its proper place. So just because you're not mad anymore doesn't mean that you're healed. Come on. The goal is not to just quit being mad. The goal is to reconcile, to reset, put back in place for full use. Come on. You know marriages get in trouble when we stop at not being mad at each other. When we settle for just not being mad. You know what happens? This underlying thing starts to happen. An internal grumble. You become disgruntled with each other. And you always bring it back up, don't you? Sure is quiet in this church. But if we'll work on it, I'm trying to help you this morning. If you'll work on it, if you will take the time necessary to work on it and reset the relationship, full use. Come on. Full pleasure, full enjoyment, fullness, right? So sometimes relationships are painful. Let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear. It says this, that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another right? How do you sharpen iron? Friction. Is friction fun? No. Friction hurts, but friction sharpens. Amen? Is it possible for your heart to be like that broken finger? And not be reset? Is it possible for you to just not be mad? And you think that's okay? So watch this. I want to show you how the great physician sometimes heals us. James 5.16 says this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So what the enemy used to hurt you, people... God uses to heal you people. Come on, you got to see this. The enemy used somebody to hurt you, but God will use somebody to heal you. Amen? So when we get hurt, we don't quit. (laughs) You didn't hear that. When we get hurt, we don't quit. What do we do? We work on it. We close the door on the enemy, and we refuse to let him have any more time or room in our lives and in this relationship. Come on, I'm giving you some good marriage stuff right now. We ain't even near Valentine's Day. I'm not talking about convenient relationships. I'm talking about vital relationships. Do you know the people that thrived through 2020? 
the people that survived the best, those people that made it all the way through strong were the people who had vital relationships in their life. But do you know that when, when COVID hits and the country shuts down, it's a little too late to try and find some vital relationships? You got to get them before then. <laughs> you don't need them. You don't need to find them in the crisis. You need to have them before the crisis. Amen? So show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. There was a study done at Harvard. It was one of the most exhaustive studies done since the 1930s. And its, its results were this. The health of your relationships at age 50 will determine your physical health at age 80. The health of your relationships at 50 will determine your physical health at 80. Tell me relationships aren't important. Tell me they shouldn't be vital. <laughs> Here's a question for you. Who's going to be sitting at the table in Cracker Barrel with you when you're 80? Come on, somebody, because that's where when you, well, I'm 40. I love Cracker Barrel. I might go tonight. They open on Sunday nights. Give me some pancakes. No, I'm joking. Who, who's going to sit at the table with you? Who's going to be in your life from 50 to 80? Come on, y'all. Who's going to be sitting at the table laughing at the young folks all stressed out? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so when you connect to spiritual family, you connect to God's intentional plan you connect to vital relationships. And the third thought is this, that you connect to God's supernatural supply. You get connected to his supernatural supply. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Question, who's got your back? Who's got you back? Who's your human? Who do you call when discouragement comes creeping through the door? Who do you call when depression comes after you? Who do you call when other relationships are in trouble? Or do you just hold it all in and think, I'm going to fix it myself? That's the reason you're in this trouble. Yourself got you there. Right? You got somebody that has your back? Who do you call? You got them in your favorites? Modern day term for speed dial? I got some people in my favorites. Listen to me, I got some people, I got about five people that I can go to at the drop of a hat. And I know that if I call them, they will drop whatever they're doing to come and help me in a crisis. And I'm also on other people's list too. You see it? The enemy wants you to be isolated because when you're isolated, you're vulnerable. How many of you feel like you've been under attack the last couple months? Anybody? Congratulations, you got an enemy. His name's Satan. And he don't like you. He thinks you're ugly. 
And he's only going to try to kill, steal, and destroy your life. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to battle alone. I want you to watch this video. We've been coming to OSC for seven years. Well, myself seven years, and then my spouse kind of jumped in a year later. I had heard about life groups every single semester. And every single semester, I was like, I should join a life group. And then the devil would start working on me, and he would be like, you don't need a life group. You, If you join a life group and you connect with people and you show them your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses, then you will hurt your witness. People won't respect you and won't view you as a Christian anymore because you don't fit into the box of what a Christian's supposed to look like. I was obsessed with being in control of how people perceived me. And um, I joined Freedom and the people that God put into my group, um, I feel like were just perfectly designed to meet me where I was. The first couple weeks were hard for me and I was quiet and they um, they talked about a lot of the things that they struggled with and um, by them being so open and trusting me to sit in their face and tell me about their stories, I came to a place where God was like, they release to you and it's you can release to them. You don't have to be scared of the people sitting in this room. And I did and they loved me anyways. It's like when you put that last piece of the puzzle in and you realize that God surrounds you with like just imperfect people who fit with your imperfection too. And it's like when you let go of fear, no matter what it is, if it's fear of people knowing you or if it's fear of not fitting into a group or fear that people will talk about you or whatever the fear is, when you let God break down the fear, there's stuff on the other side that you never even knew existed. I feel free. I feel freer than I've ever felt in my whole life and I've been saved since I was like eight years old. It was hard. I was attacked from every single corner this year, spiritually, financially, um, even professionally. Um, it just has been a hard year physically. My health, I had COVID and just some other things. But it's like freedom was the final, it was that final physical release of all the things. That weekend was like a physical release of all the things that I had worked so many months on learning about myself, figuring out about myself, and then finally saying, I don't have to live with this stuff anymore. Isn't that awesome? Patricia, like she said, had been here for seven years and never joined a life group. And a little over a year ago, she decided on one launch day, just like today, to join a freedom group. And she did. And her husband joined a freedom group. Watch this. And her two boys joined a youth group. The whole family signed up that day. And God radically changed their lives. That's the power of spiritual family. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. God places the lonely in family. 
Amen? So, this semester, Patricia and Andy are both co-leading life groups. Think about this. Went from not being a part of a life group for seven years to having one life group experience and going, I want to help other people. That's awesome. Their boys are doing great in youth. They're connecting. God didn't call us to build a crowd. He called us to build a family. The crowd will come with the family. We build the family first. Amen? Proverbs 17, 17 says this. A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in time of need. So who's going to be there when you have your crisis? Or have you bought into the lie that if you need people, it's a sign of weakness? You see, in order to be fully loved, you need to be fully known. So you don't need a friend to hang out with. You need a spiritual family to do life with, right? You need a spiritual family to do life with. Last question, are you connected to a spiritual family? You can start today. Whether you've been here for seven, 10, 12 years, or this is your first day, you can sign up today. Life groups are for everybody. But let me encourage you with this, because some of you are good at signing up. You're just not really good at showing up. I want you to sign up, but I really want you to show up, and I want you to commit to being a part of a life group. We've got several men's groups. We've got several women's groups. We've got two freedom groups. We've got youth groups. We've got an, even an outreach group if you're an arts and crafts kind of person. There's plenty of groups for you. The value is to connect with other people. So life groups kick off today. And I feel like I've done everything I can to help you connect to spiritual family. The rest from this point on is on you. Amen? We created the environment. God placed you here. It's up to you to connect. Let's pray. Today I want to pray for two types of people. I want to pray for the lost first, those who need to be born again. Maybe you realize I'm not in a relationship with Jesus and I want to be. You can do that today. The second group I want to pray for today is the lonely. Those who for whatever reason have not found spiritual family. But hopefully today you realize how valuable it is. So Lord, we come to you today. I want you to close your, head, your eyes and bow your heads this morning. Nobody looking around. <clears throat> we believe that salvation is a private moment between you and God. Baptism, we go public. Nobody looking around. If you're here today and you've never been born again, you've never given your life to Jesus and you're not in a relationship with him and you want to be, I can help you with that. I'll ask you to just simply raise your hand real quick. Is anybody here who wants to be in a relationship with Jesus? 
raise your hand. We'll pray with you. Awesome. And then I want to pray for the lonely. There's nobody looking around. today and you can say honestly I'm not connected or I'm not connected like I should be. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Let me see your response. All over the room. God, I come to you right now. You've seen the response. God, I ask you to take away the excuse. If it's past hurts and wounds that are to become an obstacle to trusting again. I pray grace abounds in that moment. I pray we'll learn to trust again. If it's because it hasn't been a priority, God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that today it becomes a priority. That we understand I'll never reach my destiny alone. I'll never live up to my full potential by myself. I can't do it in isolation. God, help us today to be connected, to be intentional, to not settle for anything less. You've given us this beautiful, you've given us this beautiful gift of family. Yet God, so many of us don't even tap into it and we don't even enjoy it don't even contribute to it. Help us today. Help us today. Move in our hearts right now. I pray today we all sign up for life groups and then we show up. And there we get to experience the power of relationships. So God, we thank you, we love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Come on, church.